Welcome to the show. It's Real Talk with the Six Man. I'm your host, the Six Man. This podcast is uncut, unscripted, and we talk about a wide range of topics such as black entrepreneurship, social injustice, education, finances, the family dynamic, Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, and mental health, along with many more. It's a Real Talk podcast to empower, educate, encourage, uplift, and inspire, and to allow others to be better than they were yesterday. You're listening to Real Talk with the Six Man. Be better than yesterday, I gotta be better than yesterday No matter if I'm playing six man or star, I'm better than yesterday I gotta be better than yesterday, I gotta be better than yesterday No matter if I'm playing six man or star, I'm better than yesterday We gotta be better, do better that's every minute, every second. Uh, drop a juice, hope you collecting them. Uh, the voice of the people, we all gon' get heard. This real spill, never clear what I say. Uh, always tuned in, never tuned out. Gotta stay walking, be a sleepwalker. Gotta stand up, got too many stand out. Stay ready, like the six man of the year. We up now. We, we, we up now. Be better than yesterday, I gotta be better than yesterday. No matter if I'm playing six man or star, I'm better than yesterday. Welcome back to the show, y'all, man. Welcome back. Um, this this episode is um is gonna be significant uh, because I had a homie who reached out to me recently on Facebook and basically said that he wanted to, you know, just chop it up with me, you know, go over a few things. Um, and you know, as we talk about, you know, being black in America and then being specifically black men in America we see, you know, how we're being treated. And so my homie reached out to me and, you know, for me it's a treat because we went to high school together. You know, um, we grew up in the same neighborhoods. And the reason why I say it's a treat because not only is he a black man, but he's also a black man and he's a police officer. So I would say that, you know, this conversation is going to be very, very um, informative. And I think it's going to be important to give people uh, a, a perspective of what, the men and women in the bad sea, and then also just his perspective as being a black man. So, D, you there? Yeah, I'm here. What's up, Kevin? How What's you going, going bro? Man, I'm, I'm chilling, man. And first and foremost, man, let me say this, man. Let me say I appreciate you taking some time, and I know that you said that you wanted to, you know, rap to me. Um, and so I just wanted to say thank you. I know um, a lot of times when I reach out to certain members of law enforcement, they are hesitant, you know, to talk to me on my show, but I wanted to say thank you. And, you know, if there's any way, you know, um, anything that you can't explain, anything that you can't go into further detail, just let us know and we'll, you know, we'll try to go into something else. But what I wanted to do, I wanted to start it off, you know, real simple. I wanted you to kind of, you know, tell people, um, like your journey, like how, how, 
how was it that you became a police officer and what does that look like for you? Man, good question, good question. How I come a police officer? So, as you know, I'm Southeast, born and raised, Park Junior High, Green Elementary, Blue High School, Martin Luther King, Southeast, born and raised, my whole life. And once I started getting out of schools, and said, people won't probably know who I am. But, um, yeah, man, you know, growing up in Southeast, seeing the things that I've seen and living the life that I've seen, I, I've never was, a, you know, in the streets as far as, you know what I'm saying, selling drugs or doing anything like that. But I was around it. And I knew that I wanted to be better than that, right? So opportunity presented itself. You know, when I first got out of high school, I said, let me try the Air Force, right? Went to the Air Force. Didn't work, ended up breaking my ankle, had pants in my ankle. So when I came back, I was working a regular job, saying the same things over and over. I was like, man, I got to do something different. Police department was hiring. Mm. Man, the last thing I wanted to do was be a police officer. Right. It was so bad, Kevin, because my family was in the streets, right? Okay. So when I was in a police academy, my grandmother, who raised me, I had to tell her and my family that I was in the fire department again. Wow. wow. Right, because again, growing up, we didn't like the, like the police. Right. But I knew that I had to do something to better myself. Right. So anyway, I'm going through the academy. The whole time they think I'm in the fire department academy. Graduation day come. We all down south, northwest. I think it's, uh, I, when will we graduate? We graduated in the Northwest off the 14th and 15th of Independence, right? My grandma would say, why are all these police cars out here? <laughs> At that point is the point that I had to tell her all the time I was in the academy, I was in a police academy, mm. right? Yeah. So the only only three people knew. My aunt knew because they had to, when they were doing a background check, they, my aunt was my next door neighbor. So they asked my next door neighbor, you know, just to say how give kind of like a, um, a story about me, basically my lifestyle and stuff like that. Right. Doing the um, background check. And so my aunt knew, but she kept the secret. She ain't really like it. She almost, she told me, she said, I almost told them no, because I didn't want you to do it, but I knew what you were trying to do. Mm. And so that's how I ended up, you know, getting from Southeast to being in the police department. You know what I mean? Mm. And so, and so do you, do you regret at all um, you know, hiding that from your family, and how did that make you feel? I don't regret it now. Um, I kind of regret it if I, if I had to do it. I would do it all over again if I had to, uh, because I knew I would have let them talk me out of it, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is one of the best decisions I made in my life. The fact that because when I went to UDC, we was in the hallway playing spades all the time, so I wasn't getting no work done. Mm. And in order for me to, you know, I feel like the direction I was going, this was the best move for me, right? Because I already made that decision that after Blue and going to UDC and just just not having that structure, you know, in the back, man, growing up, you know, your grandmother raised you, you don't sit in this, your grandmother raised you, but the only male figures in the street, that was kind of like, man, school kind of wasn't my thing. Right. But that, once I joined the department years later, I went on and went back. But that's because I was more old and more mature. Right. So I feel like that was the best decision of my life. And I would do it all again if I had to, given the same circumstances 
that my life was headed to. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, with that being said, I know you made, I know you spoke on your, your aunt and, you know, grandma, but would you say your core group of, you know, guys that you grew up with, you know, people in your life, influences and such, you know, how, how, um, how did they embrace that? And did you think that that was going to be a problem with them that you were becoming a police officer? I'm glad you asked that. It's funny. I had a conversation with one of my boys I grew up with. We were talking about the um, George Floyd incident, and um, you know he had told me he said, "Man, I got to be honest with you." He said, "When he first became a police officer, he called me by my nickname, which I'm not gonna say on the radio." He said, "Man, I was job like, can I curse on here or no?" Absolutely. Oh, he said, "Man, I was fucked up with you for real." I was like, "Really?" He said, "Yeah, I ain't never tell you, but I was really fucked up with you. Like, how the fuck you gonna become a police officer? Like, you know where we from? We don't with the police." But he said, man, as years gone by and I got older, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you never changed. You never swayed. You never went too far left, too far right. You stayed where you were. Mm-hmm. He said, man, to have these conversations, because we have conversations like this all the time, man. And this is the first time he actually told me that. But we always talk about, you know, life and growing up. And uh, so when he told me that, I was like, man, I wonder how many other people felt like that back then. Mm-hmm. You know, I never know. They never treated me any differently. Right. But he said inside he was fucked up. Right. And uh, it could be the same with a bunch of my other boys, but, you know, they never treated me different. And maybe because I was never different. But after time, it probably took some time for them to be like, all right, this is the same, you know who. I'm not even going, you know, just because he's doing this and doing that, he ain't kind of switch up on it. Right. So I still keep staying, still hanging around my same boy. You know, of course, we all adults. Mm-hmm. Married kids and stuff like that, so right. we don't hang like we used to hang. Right, but we still, you know, we're still tight. And so I know, you know, a lot of times, you know, us being from the south side, and like you said, that you know, a lot of times, you know, that's not the um, that's not the career path that a lot of us choose. But for some of us that um, grew up in that area, it's a few of y'all. I mean, I know. Off the top of my head, I can think of one, two, three, four. I can think of five officers that I actually, you know, encountered, you know, um, growing up with or, you know, hung out with them at some point, you know, at my adolescence. And so when we talk about, you know, being black in America, we're just going to, you know, kind of go into this real quick. I mean, because we're going to get back to the George Floyd situation, but just being black, you know, being a black man. In America, right? So I know one time I heard um, um, Bradley Bill, he was talking about his incident when he got pulled over. A police officer told him, get out the car. Um, I'm not sure if the officer, you know, automatically recognized Bradley, Bradley Bill, but he, he said that um, he wanted the other person um, to get out of the vehicle. Um, he wanted um, Bradley Bill to get out the vehicle. And for me, you know, he said that the officer ended up telling him, that if he wanted to, he can choke him out and arrest him. And so Bradley Bill was just basically saying that when I take my Washington Wizards jersey off, you know, my uniform, I'm another black man just like any other black man, right? And so you being a black man and you coming from Southeast, I mean, how does that look for you when you see some of the stuff that you see that's happening to, you know, um, you know, people of your same race, you know, on TV, on social media? Speak on an incident, I, I'm going to say this real quick. 
by law, the police are authorized to ask both for all passengers to get out the car for whatever you know they deem it to be unsafe for them. They might they can ask for uh, both people to get out the car. That choking stuff that's that's unacceptable. You know, to say I'm gonna choke you out and arrest you is unacceptable. But as a black man, I think sometimes as a black man and a black police officer, I see things working in the metropolitan area in the DMV. Things that are a little different, right? Mm-hmm. We see things through a different set of eyes because the issues we have here aren't like the issues that we have down south, out west, and further up north. That's true. It is. I mean, so I understand, and I kind of tell my coworkers a lot of times they get upset about, like, you know, we're not these bad officers that they're showing everywhere. But I like I tell them, we're just a pea in a pod. When you go further north down Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina, mm-hmm. that's a whole different police department and agencies, and they handle things in the way that they handled them still in the good old days, yes, as sir. they call it. Yes, you know? sir. Yes, sir. So even when I drive down 95 South, I'm nervous if I get caught over because I have a weapon on me. Wow. And I know that those police officers aren't trained the way we're trained in the DMV. Mm. They don't have the same community training that we have in the DMV. They don't go through this. They don't have the same diversity we have. Mm. So I know, and I've had personal experiences where I showed my badge to let them know that I was armed. And they said, that don't mean nothing to us down here, boy. Wow. You know? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I've had those experiences before. So I know that what goes on, what, what they're protesting about is real. Mm. It's real. And we just don't see it here. And that's why I got to tell some of my coworkers here that we have to look outside of the DMV. Maryland, D.C., you know, P.C. County, D.C. is so different from other places. Yeah. Like, it's a black man. You got to think you're dealing with if the richest or the second richest black community in the nation. Right. So, you're not going to get the same treatment here that you're going to get in, in Georgia or in Texas or right. up in New York. Right. You know? Right. So, I mean, it's tough. It's tough being on both sides. And so, when you're defending yourself, and sometimes it sounds like you're defending the occupation. Right. You're truly defending yourself and the right. people you work with. Right. But right. the occupation is bigger than right. yourself and right. the people you work with. You right. know what I mean? Right. And I think and I think for the most part I try to tell people all the time that it's not necessarily giving the officer, the person, the uh amount of respect. It's just giving the authority that they have a certain <laughs> amount of respect. You know what I mean? And so Absolutely. And so we talked a little bit, and you you um you 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 put me on game. So I wanted to just briefly talk about this incident where there was an officer um on social media who said he had just recently got pulled over um here in the PG County area. Would you like to elaborate? Because when you told me what you told me, I didn't necessarily, you know, um uh like to say uh, fact check, you know, because it was just real quick. Somebody sent it to me. I, you know, I, I don't get a chance to listen to a lot of stuff all the time. But when he starts saying, you know, things like Branch Avenue, Allentown Road, I was like, hold up. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so it, it kind of caught my attention. But, I mean, needless to say, you know, like you just said, that it does not matter, you know, whether you have a badge 
or you know some type of shield to represent law enforcement it's just when you when you have that color it doesn't matter you know and i mean he didn't i don't think I don't think he went into detail of the officer who pulled him over, whether, whether the officer was white or black or whatever. But he did, you know, kind of say that he felt like, you know, he kind of feel what people saying that's happening. But you wanted to elaborate on that entire situation. Yeah, because when I saw the video, the video went viral. Some guy uh, talking about he's a police officer. He got pulled over and the officer snatched back and held his gun and started treating them all type of way. So I did some research, and I found out this guy not even a police officer. This guy's <laughs> a security guard. SBO, not even a police officer. I mean, and not to knock his occupation. Right. But you've already lied once now, and I got to really check to see if your story is true. Because right. if you said you're a police officer, that's not the case. Right. So then he started, I noticed he said that the officer asked him to get his wallet out, and he said, oh, no, no, no because his hand was on the gun, but in the same voice, he told the officer he was an officer, lifted his shirt up where his gun was at to show the bag. So I'm like, you're scared to grab your wallet, but you're not scared enough to show your gun? That didn't make sense to me. Right. You know, and then when he asked where the knife was at, you point at, reach up to the uh, visor where your knife is hanging up, but you're not scared enough. So I, and I guess being, working in a, work, being a, a real police officer, and working in these communities, it's, it's bad enough when the good guys are already trying to fight the bad officers for, you know, to try to uh, bridge this gap. We don't need people on the outside curbing. You know what I mean? We don't right. need people on the outside curbing trying to get views. Right. And we're not, this is not the time that we're trying to get views and lights. This mm. is the time to come to a solution. You know what I mean? This is the time to bridge the gap. And so that kind of, like, hurt my nerves a lot, man, because I'm like, bro, are you serious? Right. You know, it's not it's not joke time. Don't come, really, if you was that worried, you grabbed your phone at the end, but you never recorded none of the call, none of this interaction with this officer. Right. You know, so that kind of threw me off a little bit, threw me in a different space, because I work hard every day trying to bridge the gap, you know what I mean? Right. And I had somebody who's not even an officer to talk about, and giving false information. You will get somebody hurt giving false information to right. talk about, yeah, if you ask for a sergeant and a lieutenant on the traffic stop, they have to come. That's not the case. They're going to tell you just like this. If you have a complaint, come to the station and file a complaint or go online and do it. They're not going to come to the scene mm. unless they choose to. They don't mm. have to come. So don't give people false information. And that's the problem. That's another issue. You're giving people false information and now they think they know something that they truly don't know. Right. You know, I saw it's and that's also mind-boggling, you know. So, yeah, I, I wanted to speak on that because that that kind of ticked me off real bad on that one. Yeah. Mm. I mean, and, and and I would and I would assume you know it, it would you know based off some of the stuff that you just mentioned, you know, um, you know, false information, you know, not fully. Um, telling people who you are, what your occupation is. You know, you just saying that you're a police officer, but not saying that you are SPO. And I know there's a difference between being an SPO and an actual, you know, law enforcement officer, you know, for either a state or a county. And so, you know, again, you know, when you said that calling an officer or a sergeant to the scene, that that's not necessarily the case because it, it may or may not happen. I mean, in my case, it happened for me once um, because I asked politely. But I'm not going to say that if somebody just screams that out, that's something that's going to necessarily happen. 
But you did hit on something that I want to piggyback on and you start talking about community. And you start talking about how, you know, you are one of those guys who try to, you know, take the opportunity to bridge the gap um, in the community. And so I remember, you know, back in the day, you know, when we had, you know, jump outs. Right. And when, you know, when they jumped out on somebody, it wasn't like they jumped out and was just, you know, um, you know, just jumping out just to be jumping out. Right. And. I also remember, you know, at times when you were familiar with the officers in your neighborhood that you can literally, they can literally drive by and you would, and you would, you know, not saying speak to them, but you would know them by name, just like they would know you by name. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I think that's a part of what's missing when you say community policing. But I do remember, you know, jump outs doing their job, you know, and I remember an incident where um, jump outs, uh, it was early Tuesday too. It was real early. And they came around and they pulled in the parking lot. Um, one of them pulled me to the side. And of course, everybody looking at me sideways. But he was like, look, man, you got a dude out here. He ain't right. And uh, in the next hour, when we come back, if he out here, we, 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 coming, we coming at him and whoever else out here with him. I was like, oh, okay. So I think I know what that means. And not to say that, you know, they were negating, you know, uh, the activity that might have been going on in my neighborhood. But to me, I just felt like there is some type of relationship there that they giving me, you know, that they feel like they want to give me a warning. You know, that this dude is on a radar, so to speak. And I feel like that part isn't really happening anymore. And I know you want to elaborate on the part where, you know... Um, uh, as far as investigative work and training, that it's a piece that's missing from that. So, uh, kind of speak on that for me. So, yeah, you know, growing up, man, and not just growing up, but also on my earliest days of the police department. Remember, I'm, I've been on 20 years now, right? Oh, wow. Congratulations, so, man. 20 years, yeah, though? Yeah, I've been on 20 years now. Wow. So, growing up in my first, in the early stages of the police department, I've seen and done work with jump outs and seeing how it was done. The investigations were sterile. Mm. You know what I mean? Like back in the days and early on this police department, they wasn't just jumping out on anybody just because you was hanging around the neighborhood, right? Jump outs came around my neighborhood so many times and they never bothered me or the four or five people in my circle because they already knew we weren't doing nothing, right? Mm. You know, matter of fact, one officer named was Fox. I remember his name was Fox. He already knew none of us was doing nothing, right? So they knew who they were jumping out on. So, and the, and the dudes they jumped out on knew they was dirty or knew they was wrong. Right. So it was never that that go back and forth with it. Right. But as I got as a as I got more and more time in the police department, as of lately, it's like they just jump out on whoever, yeah. right? And I start noticing where you, people when you jump out on somebody and nobody's going in with you, that's the issue. That means you ain't really doing a thorough work, right? So you you just kind of like, don't just jump out because you start jumping out on people who aren't doing dirt, and that kind of hurts that relationship because right. now they're like, you've been, they're harassing. Right. So I think as far as, as in the police aspect of it, we have to do better investigations before we start going around in these neighborhoods and just jumping out on people. Jump outs are one of the best things in stop crime, but it's got to be done correctly, right? right? If it's not done correctly, that's when you have the issues. And I'm going to tell you a story about when I was young. Um, my cousin was from Uptown. I used to go visit my cousin Uptown, 14th and um, Columbia Road, CHB. Mm -hmm. I was hanging around there one time. Me and my cousin's like six of us. We sitting on the bench. Jump out, came around, jumped out, 
One cat, he um, he got killed some years ago now. Threw some drugs right by my foot. Mm. I never knew, you know what I'm saying? So we up there rapping. So jump out, tell everybody to move. And there was like three of us still sitting on the bench. And I'm like, why am I sitting on the bench? Why are three sitting on the bench? Come, he points to the to the dope that was right there. Mm. But yeah, so they could have locked me up right then there, all three of us, because it was close to all three of us. But knowing they who they investigated, they was like, we know this ain't child. But what y'all need to do is stop hanging. Like you, how you said, stop hanging around here because you keep hanging around here. You know, even though we know it ain't yours, we gonna think like this is what you want to do. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. So they let us go. And after that, man, I was so heated. First, I was mad as hell that somebody would throw that by my, I was ready to fight everybody from around here. You know what <laughs> right, I'm saying? Because right. I'm like, nah, don't hold your own. Don't right. ever do nothing like that. Right. But that just goes back to saying that. What I was saying about folks knowing who they're investigating and knowing what you know what they're doing, and not just nowadays, I'd probably win that. Right. You know what I mean? Because that community report relationship is definitely not like it was back when I was growing up. Right. right. I right. mean, and that's just from the inside out. Like the, the all the older all the older people knew the office. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even the, they know the office, and the office knew the youngest by name. Yeah. And all that. Yeah. So you ask a lot of these jokers nowadays, they 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 don't even know the jokers' name, who's doing the work, who's doing the dirt, and so forth, right. because they ain't building that relationship. Right. with the community and things of that nature you know what I mean so right. and so you know I, I kind of think about the word respect because I know that you know that that word gets thrown out a lot you know you disrespecting me you disrespecting me you disrespecting me right and I know that you know um, it has to be a level of respect on both sides meaning that you know even though you know uh, it's a rough time and we feel a certain type of way about how police police but then again, you know, we don't really fully understand what the police go through on a day-to-day basis because it's not our job. It's not something that we do day in and day out. But I do wholeheartedly, and this is just me, I do feel like there, there needs to be a certain amount of respect that goes both ways. And I do know that in most cases, it does not always go that way, you know, when it comes with the police. But I do feel like that there needs to be a level of respect um, on both sides. And I know that, you know, we we're, we're talking about a wide range of ideas and, you know, thoughts of things that can happen that could be better. And I think, you know, um, getting back to community policing, you know, is one of them things. And I'm just saying, just getting back to respect. I mean, because if I'm not necessarily somebody who's on your radar, even if you want to approach me, you don't necessarily need to be disrespectful to do it. Right. And I, and I remember, right. And I remember you said that, uh, you know, part of it is, you know, the training piece where they may have guys, you know, that's not from this area and, you know, come to this area and police and police totally different because in my mind, I feel like if, if I, if I ask 10 people, you know, do you have more issues with white police officers or black police officers? And and surprisingly, so surprisingly, you know, they are telling me that they're having more issues with black police officers. I was like, and really? That's, I mean, that, that's sad, actually. Um, but let me just say, give you an opinion on that. I don't, those black officers, I don't think they're bred and fed for, in the DMV. Mm. I, I, I guarantee if you've done another survey and those, out of those 10 black officers, maybe one, 
if that, would probably brand a fan the DMV. Right. Usually the black officers from the DMV, they relatable because they know what they're dealing with. This is where they come from. Usually those black officers come from somewhere else. Detroit, Chicago, whatever. Mm-hmm. Texas, Georgia, mm-hmm. New York. They don't have the same type of care that somebody in DMV has because you're from here. Your right. family's from here. Right. Your cousin's cousin's from here. Right. All of them from there. So you definitely you want to get the utmost uh, respect from those uh, from those folks, right? right. Y'all right. gonna hang out at the same club right. at the same bar. So they're not gonna give you that 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 BS um, um, power hungry power strong crap right. that somebody from New York might do. His family's in New York. Right? He's black or white. All his family in New York. So he don't care about nothing but the DMV but a paycheck, right? Right. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with it. Those brothers that that's probably a holes. I'm gonna say 95 percent of the time they're not bred and fed from the DMV. Mm. You know, because I know some uh, white officers that's from Charles County. You know, what I'm saying Oxford Hill, and they, I mean, they cool as cool as cool. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. they ain't gonna treat you bad at all, but right. they from this earth. Right. You know what I'm saying? I know. I went to a white guy that that was from a town. That never that didn't have any black people. He mm. said he didn't know he didn't never saw a black person until he got to college. So yeah, so you wow. you're dealing with different elements. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's one thing um, I like about the DMV now. Like PG and DC are doing it. They're bringing a lot of uh, what do you call them cadets and um, some, I forgot the other name. They're on to the police department and uh, you know local. Because that's what you need. You need local people, police and local community. Yeah, you that's know what true. I mean? That makes sense. Because you want to get that different respect out. Like, if I were to move out of California, my mindset would be different in California because I don't know none of these folks. Right. So my care level might be a little different, you know? Right. And, and this is why I'm, a, I'm so much of a fan of local people coming in on these apartments. And that's how you, that's another way you build these community relations. Stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah, so I mean, I so I'm great. I'm great. Get a little touchy. I'm great. Get a little touchy, right? And so, you know, Mary Bowser has recently, you know, put on 16th Street Black Lives Matter, right? Right. And I had been working with a family, the Austin family, for about I want to say going on two and a half years now, and. A young man by the name of Marquise Austin got shot 15 times on First and Wayne Place in Southeast. And the mother and the family, you know, wanted to see the body camera video. And they did, you know, they requested it. It got denied. They end up doing a four-year request. It got denied. And then after 12 months, they finally got to see... I think she told me it was three and a half minutes of footage that she did not really understand at all. Like, she was like, when I saw it, I was confused. I didn't know what was going on. And then within the um, investigation, you know, she was saying that a gun popped up, the, the the police had moved the body. It was so many things that went wrong with this situation, right? And we got so many different cases in D.C. I don't know all these people's names, but I know... It's a lot of them. I know it on the top of my head is at least six that I can think of because I went down to the Wilson building with them and was um listening to a lot of uh a lot of uh conversation with uh Charles Allen because he's the chair for public safety. 
And so we listened to um, the union rep. I mean, he was basically saying that, you know, with body camera equipment, they've noticed that it's a um, muscle memory issue for police officers to turn their body camera footage. I mean, to turn their body cameras on, kind of break down how that works for somebody who may not know how body cameras work. Okay. Um, so I don't know the incident you talked about. So I can't really speak on that specific incident. Um, but I do know that initially uh, laws were in place where only the victim could see the body camera footage. Now, now watch this. Now they did tell her that, but now keep in mind, the victim was shot 15 times. He's dead now. Right, right, right. So that's why the new legislation came out saying that the parent and stuff so that was probably just a legal technicality there. You know, when they initially did the back, because you got to remember the body camera things, was a, it was a trial period. Like, a lot of agencies weren't doing it. Like, right. the DMV area, specifically D.C., was like one of the first ones to do it. Right. So they were, they, it was trial and error for them. Right. You know? So right. when they when they come in, and they put the legislation out, city council and everybody put the legislation out, that nobody was thinking about the, you know, the parent wanting to see. I'm assuming, I don't know, but right. it wasn't in the legislation. I mean, like after realizing that, you know, this is the issue, now it's in the legislation that the, the you know, the decedent's daughters can now watch the uh, body camera. Right. And, and we, and we did, and we did talk with, you know, uh, Charles Allen. We did talk mm-hmm. with Treyon White. And I remember um, Treyon said that they had put in emergency legislation for uh, family mm-hmm. members to be able to request the body camera footage and now it's officially written that if a you know uh if a civilian has a interaction with um a police officer that they are able to um request the body camera footage within 48 hours right which i think which i think is a step in the right direction right absolutely absolutely but again with anything when you start it off it's going to be a little rough Right. Uh, speed bumps, but the pro- I mean, the, the key is the, the progress. Right. right. That's, that's you know progress. Right. As far as like the the the, um, the way the body camera works is that you have to activate the body camera, right? And it's it's a two minute delay. Uh, not a two minute delay. It's, it's recording uh, audio, uh, video only, two minutes prior to you pushing the button. So every two minutes or one second, it just keeps recording, keeps recording. Once you push the button, then the audio plays. Okay. So, say for instance, it's um, it's three thirty three now. If I hit my body camera, then three thirty one is I'll get the recordings from three thirty one on to whenever I turn it off. But from three thirty one to three thirty three, it's only audio. I mean, it's only video, no audio. Okay. Right. So your audio comes as soon as you push the button. Okay. And as far as like you were saying, like the delay in pushing it. I went, again, like you were saying earlier, something, when something is new, it's going to take a while to get used to. So when you're not used to turning something on, there may be some delays in situations. Some purposely, some not purpose. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, everything, I, I can't say that every time somebody delays on purpose, and, and I can't say every time somebody delayed a push, it's not on purpose. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I think, too, what people have to understand is, when you're a police officer and you deal with things, things happen in a moment. Yes. Moments notice. You don't have time to really to, to think about it. Like yes. a lot of things that happen with police officers, everybody, they could look at it the next day and say, I would have done this, I would have done that, I would have done this. But when you're just sitting there and something happened in a sleep in a moment, car just come right past you, you know what I mean? And hit a car, you have to jump out or whatever the case may be. The last thing you're thinking is, I got to push this body cam. Right. You know what I mean? So, 
that's not second nature. So I think what, what, what people have to understand is that sometimes, now if I'm doing something and I've been chasing somebody for the last five minutes and now I just push it when I get out of the car, that's a problem. But if this is a split, one of those one of those things that happen, and it's only been a minute past and I forgot to hit it, then that may be one of those things where it's just adrenaline's pumping. I didn't think about it at the time, and then once I realized it, I boom. But I can't justify somebody riding around twenty minutes and not hitting. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So. Right. And and and, and I would say again, I mean, it's a step in the right direction. But again, you know, the community, you know, how they feel. I mean, you know, it's 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 young man of the young man of the young man of the young woman. And it's just like, you know, enough is enough, you know, in the community's mind. You know, we got, you know, DC, um, you know, we got commissioners, we got um, you know, council members, you know, we got all these people who are trying to, you know, eliminate, you know, some of the the bad, you know, uh energy you know, on the police force and in the community. And so I know we kind of briefly touched on training. And so I overheard um, Muriel Bowser um, doing the interview with Lil Wayne. And she and she mentioned that she is now um, providing cadets to go to the African-American Museum as a part of their training. So kind of go into like some of the training that you all had you know, not in not in full detail, but some of the training that you all have to go through in, in order to, you know, prepare you for, you know, you know, serving and protecting your community. So yeah, that's I mean, you go through diversity training, you go through training on how to de-escalate verbal de- de-escalation. You go through your use of force training where you where you try to, you know, uh, start at the lowest level and get to the highest. But some situations don't allow you to start at the lowest level. And they always train you to, to try to, you always have to be a step above what someone else is doing. Um, and we do, like I said, the uh, Holocaust Museum, the African American Museum. Uh, and we have different, what do you call it? Uh, I can't remember. That when they come and they teach you about the youth, mm-hmm. or how the youth mind and brain works. Okay. As far as their developments of their brains doesn't reach a, a certain point until they're 25, so they kind of they're teaching you how to deal with the youth, be, and understanding their actions may not be because they just don't uh, care or don't you know they just might not know what they're doing like as a, you know because they're developing still. Mm-hmm. So I think the training here is is obsolete. You know what I mean? I think the train training here is obsolete. Uh, and I think you, that's why I don't think we have as many issues as other places may have. You're going to always have issues because when there's crime and you're going to always have some type of issue because let's be real, the bad guy don't want to go to jail. Right. You know what I mean? And the good guy want to catch the bad right. guy. That's and sometimes it's, it's by any means necessary for both, right? Mm. And so you're going to always have some issues. But I don't think this particular area has those type of issues. You know what I mean? Because mm. the training is obsolete, in my opinion. Wow. Wow. So let's 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 talk about this this George Floyd situation. I mean, I don't like to piggyback, but you know, we, we can't forget about the countless number of, you know, black people who have um perished 
um, by the hands of police officers all across this country. But it seems like this George Floyd situation really sparked something in a lot of people. Like it's 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 been a movement since his passing, right? And I, w- I was having a conversation with an officer, um, and he, he I, I was walking him on to the show. He was almost going to come on the show, and then he backed out. And, I mean, I respectfully, you know, respect his decision to do that, you know, and that's why I said I was humbled that you wanted to do this. But when you saw that video of George Floyd, right, and, you know, after the George Floyd situation, a lot of police officers came out, you know, that's not what we do. That's not a part of the job. If you're going to police like that, give your badge and your gun away. And my first thing was, where y'all been at? That was my first. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I mean, D. I'm just gonna be honest. My first initial, oh, no, keep it real. That's you, you know what I'm saying. My first initial reaction was like, "Where the fuck y'all been at?" Like y'all talking about, you know, it's fucked up. You ain't supposed to police like that. But where was you at when, um, you know, Trayvon Martin got killed? Or where was you at when, uh, Sandra Bland? You know, where, where was you at when all these other people got killed? But now, it's like so, you know, advertised that this happened. Now it's like police officers, like, yeah, don't. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna police like that, then you need to take off the badge. So I'm just trying to get an idea from you as a black man, not necessarily a police officer, but just a black man. When you saw that video, what did that? Ha- how did that make you feel? So let, let me give you an answer for both. Okay. Right? As a black man and a police officer. Okay. Right? Okay. And I'm gonna speak on why. I'm gonna speak on why, in my opinion, why the outrage was from the police department was as much as it was. Uh, as, as a black man, it was a disgrace. It was a murder, right? Mm-hmm. It was the worst thing that you could ever see on live TV, right? As a police officer, it was the worst thing you can ever see on live TV. It was just great. It was just like, I don't care about nobody out here. I'm going to do what I want to do, how I want to do it. And that should not be, that's not how police should be. And nobody should die with somebody's ego and keeping their neck, leading somebody's neck. And I think the outrage is because it was so blatant, right? I've not talked to one police officer or one person that says that that was justified. Mm. Not at all. Not one. Mm. I think what happens, and the reason why they stepped out on this particular one, is because a lot of other ones are questionable based off of training and situations. Training situations, split split in a moment situations, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I talk that I get into them with boys all the time. They always say, "Well, they show me videos of you know like a white person doing this and not getting shot, or mm-hmm. somebody else doing this." And then I, I could I'll show them a, a black one doing it, or I'll tell them an experience mm-hmm. of a black one doing it, and I'll say every officer is different. Mm-hmm. You could have had two different, you could have had two officers on that same scene and shot that white guy. Right. You know what I mean? So each individual officer is different. Right. I think why the outrage with Floyd again because everybody in America agrees that was that wasn't a training problem, that wasn't a split of the moment decision problem, that was an ego and in my opinion racial problem mm. from that particular officer, right? Mm. Uh, now I'll say this: the, the the guy, the young rookie guy that had three days on, I kind of I feel for him a little bit. Because in a police culture, people fail to understand that when you come out the academy, you still have six to seven months of on-job training. So people be like, you only have seven months of training. No, you have seven months of training in the academy, but you have another seven months of training on the job training, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody, a veteran officer, signs off with your daily paperwork to say this is 
if they think you're capable of being a police officer, right? Mm-hmm. So when this young rookie tells this officer, we should turn him over, and this veteran officer says, shut up, rookie, the ad, I would say the average rookie is going to shut up. Mm. Because the reality of it is, if, if George Floyd doesn't die, right? If he doesn't die in this situation, that officer goes back and gives this rookie a bad review. Right. And the only person that's affected at that particular point is that rookie. Right? Right. Now he might not be certified as an officer now. So that needs to change within agencies as far as not being and which I'm glad that they're doing legislation now where you must intervene. Because a lot of times before this must intervene, a rookie will be scared to intervene with a veteran. Because first of all, you'll learn. It's like if you're an electrician and you just finished school, and you know something, but the, your apprenticeship tells you, nah, that's not how you do it. Right. You kind of, you like, well, this is how I was taught, but I'm going to listen to you because you're teaching me type thing. Right. So I kind of feel more for him than the other three. Mm. You know what I mean? Just based off of life experiences and stuff like and And this is exactly why I'm so glad that duty to intervene is being talked about nationwide. Mm. Um, and, and, and again, to piggyback on what you were saying about why people, why officers are just finally saying stuff. Uh, you know, when you're trained, right, you're trained that we always hear unarmed, right? Unarmed is unarmed that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I'm a, and, and it's kind of like speaking on the uh, certain situations that may have happened, like the Atlanta incident right. and other incidents, right? Right, right. Uh, you're trained that when you're armed, the other, per- you're not, the other person is never unarmed, right? Because if I'm trying to arrest somebody, let's just say he he takes my ass or and he takes my uh, takes one of my duty weapons, things off my taser. I'm gonna use the example. You know what? Forget it. I'll use the example in the lab. You take my taser and you shoot me, right? Now people say the taser is not a lethal weapon. A taser is a lethal weapon if it hits me in my face, my eye. Or if it immobilizes me, because if it immobilizes me, what can happen now? This particular person can now take my gun, use it against me and my partner, right? Right. right. And so I think when people, officers don't speak up on situations that aren't cut and dry, it's because sometimes you're trained to teach you things happen in a split moment. You can't really say yay or nay until all the evidence is out there. Mm. And I think with the George Floyd, it wasn't no all evidence out there. You know what I mean? Even with the um, uh, Orlando Castillo, I think most officers like, that was crazy. You should not have asked that man to get his license and then when he reached, shoot. That was, uh, that was, you know what I mean? And I think, and another one was the Tamir Rice. That was poor training and you should not have shot that. I mean, that was tactical, just hurt. Tactical hurt. Like, if you get a call, even if the, because the, they say the 911 father failed to say that the kid might have a toy gun. Right. And let's, you know, we're in Chicago, and I get it, Chicago has a lot of murders. Absolutely. And then murderers are at all ages. Absolutely. So police, you know what I mean? So police are kind of on edge. But if I'm on edge, my trainer is going to tell me I'm not going to pull up on this person and take my gun out and put myself in danger. Oh, but, because right. If this kid really had a real gun, he'd have shot them off. Right. So tactically, that was piss poor tactics. Right. And so, and that's why I think the, the, the why they don't speak up because in the police industry you have tactics and you have just straight up fault. Floyd was just straight up murder 
and a lot of other other ones were pissed for tactics. And we that's when you come in. That's when training comes in. So when you defund the police department, you take away them uh, that ability to treat train better. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You know, and that's why one thing I love about our training is the first thing you do is they tell you to look for cover and look for concealment because mm-hmm. it's okay to to get behind a car and wait it out. You don't have to be the first one to make the arrest. Right. You don't have to be the first one to do that. And they beat this in our head. Get your concealment. Get your cover. Wait for your backup to come. You know? Mm. All agencies don't do that. You know? And some mm. agencies, your, your nearest backup might be six miles away. Right. So you, you're you there by yourself to try to make this arrest. Right. And then all of a sudden, it turns in a matter of a second. And you got somebody that may be 6'5", 250. Well, and all you, and all it takes is you to get unconscious, but only get your gun and finish you off. Right. So it's a dangerous occupation to be in in the first place. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And it's even more dangerous when you have to second guess yourself. And I, I think that is why you have the two different reactions with some other killers and, let's, and George Floyd. And let's not forget, Trayvon wasn't a police officer. Right. Neither was him. Right. Amar Aubrey, right. those were just a holes. Well, they were. Well, Amar Aubrey was an ex police officer. Ex police officer, right? We talk about a town that probably had. You know what I mean? Like, it's a totally different concept when you talk about those two. You're just dealing with racist people. Right. That was clearly about race. Trayvon was clearly about race. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? I think Castillo was clearly about fear. I think that guy was just afraid. Mm. Uh, everybody's not built to be a police officer. That's you know what I mean? That's fact. You know what I mean? That's fact. Like the one video they had with the guy, MPD guy, got hit in the face, but he 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 took it and he went out of there and he caught the guy. Right. Everybody's not built like that. Right. Everybody can't take a punch. Right. You know, and that's one of the things where you have. That's where police officers really have to be. Uh, you have when you when you're recruiting and you vetting these people, you really have to look serious about does this guy have the fear level to be a police officer? Mm. Because if you are afraid of your own shadow then this is not the job for you. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. And I mean, for me, you know, the community, you know, is at a loss for words. I mean, because it just seems like when police officers interact with us, I mean, they on a thousand. I mean, I, I still can't get out the thought in my head of, of a good friend that I went to school with, um, William Green, um, Boo Boo, uh, who got killed in Prince George's County in a vehicle, handcuffed. Got shot eight times, in, 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 handcuffed in the, in the front seat of the car. And, I mean, I still have not heard, you know, what the end-all, be-all for that case is. But for me, it just seems like if I'm on the outside looking in, I'm like, damn, he was handcuffed in the car, and the police officer shot him eight times? I mean, that that would, that would piss the community off. And, I mean, now, you know, uh, the chief of police for PG County has resigned and they brought in an uh, interim chief, and he's of Hispanic descent, I, I believe. And he was saying that he's here for the people. You know, he said, I'm an interim chief, but I'm your chief. And, I mean, I get, you know, um, it being, you know, a, a, a person of color, you know, in charge. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the police force and the way they police is going to change. Right. You know what I mean? And so I'm just trying to figure out, you know, just in your estimation you know, 20 years experience, what 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 are maybe, you know, a specific um a specific idea that you see that can probably help, you know, bridge that gap between the community and the police? So let me just say this, and, and God rest his soul, 
Um, I knew, I knew where, I knew Green. I know, like, I'm tight with his family. Like, that, that, his family is like family to me. You know what I mean? Like, you know, his cousin's like my best female best friend. Right. You know, coming up. Right. And that that PG that that I I, I can't. We did. You know, Rich, yeah. Richie you know, Rich. Richie just knew everybody. Yeah. certain amount of respect that the community has for you you know what i mean right so i mean i think that yeah exactly that's exactly i mean i heard that and now i might go in another community that may not know me like that so the first thing they gonna see is the uniform and i have to try to reestablish that whole right you know respect over right right you know what i mean right so when that happens it's up to that individual officer to earn our respect like i was telling my partner we would talk all the time you talk to people, they might say, fuck you five times. Right. Or then that sixth time, they're going to be like, hey, what's up, man? Right, right. You know what I mean? Right, right. Because they really, they saying fuck you because you messing up their money or their time right. or whatever. But right. after a while, they like, nah, this dude, all right. He ain't around here just fucking with me. You right. know what I mean? He right. ain't around here just harassing me or whatever the case may be. Right. You know what I mean? That's so, true. And at the same time, but at the same time, he got a job to do. Exactly. When people call, we got a job to do. We right. can't just not do the job because you don't like the fact that somebody called. Right, right. You know, and it's always and it's always the um the follow through on how you do your job. It's always that follow through, man. It's always that follow through. Yeah. You know, like yeah. a lot of times, man. When I get a call, I let them know, hey, man, I got a call. I even let them hear the call, but I'll cut it off. Before the person's name who called come up, because I don't want them to know who called. Right. 
but we but I we got a call. But we got a call. And I ain't mm. I don't I'm not out here messing with you just because right. I mean, things like I'm not out here doing all that stat chasing stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I mean twenty years, man, that's a that's a hell of a that's a hell of a job, man. You blessed, man, because I, I mean, I know officers that, you know, quit before they second or third year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But so, it also depends on which I think, too, man. It depends on what you, what you want to do. Um, and I think, too, man, like a lot, like I hear a lot of people say, well, the officers that's quitting out the good officers. And, and ironically, I think opposite. I think the ones who are quitting are the good officers. Because mm. the good officers not trying to get caught up in no mess off of just you know, uh, doing their job, and then something just go 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 um go astray. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Just like man, the bad house is like, well, I'm gonna stay here because I'm gonna do me anyway, and I'm gonna try to find a way to do it without getting caught. You, you feel me? Yeah. Like if you bad, you if you fucked up, you fucked up. Yeah. Whether you whether the policy change or not, you are gonna try to find a way around the policy. Right. But if you a good officer, you ain't trying to find a way around the policy, but you are gonna get caught up off the humble. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like, I had a situation, man, years ago, years ago, um, white guy, he no longer with us no more. Uh, he went out of, ta- out of town or whatever the case may be. But it was a shooting. And, uh, you know, it was, it was just driving. And, you know, and he was like, man, let me just go tell this 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 dude that uh, I, I think he's, I think it was his tent. I think it's like, oh, his, oh, he didn't his, no, his life was out. Let me just tell this dude his life was out or whatever the case may be. So he went up to the car, and anyway, shooting happened. Blah blah blah. They chased the guy, ended up catching the guy. Uh, guy got locked up, and so forth and so forth. He was he was a prize felon and all that stuff. I had his parole hearing. So at the parole hearing, I was like, told him straight up, like I told him at district court. I said, listen, I didn't see the gun. I never got out the car. The only thing I thought was he was gonna let him know that his life was out. And a dude, I seen him maybe about five years later. He came up to me and was like, man, I just want to thank you because your honesty kept me, allowed me to get parole. Wow. Because I wouldn't have got parole if, you, if, you know what I'm saying, if I would have went along with whatever this story was. Wow. And, and this is how you know karma works because that same officer ended up getting us some more shit, ended up having to quit mm. or resign mm-hmm. or he emptied and then, you know, went somewhere out, out west. I mm-hmm. can't really say where, right. but I you know. And it is what it is. And, so, and, calm and, is a mug. And I, and I do think that that's a part of the community's rage as well because you got some of these police officers that do certain things in other communities and move, resign here, move, and then go police officer somewhere else but still keep that same mentality. Right. Like that mentality right. never changes. So I think that's the part that, you know, it's so many it's so many variables with this whole thing that this conversation ain't never just going to end. It's, I mean, it's always going to be an ongoing conversation but i did have a last question for you um i know you know black lives matter has been talking about you know defunding the police you know and i wanted to see like they was basically saying that they can de- you know defund the police you know add funding for mental health you know um uh you know different things for the community and i noticed that um angela also brooks had just mentioned that they're trying to build a new uh mental health facility you know, with some of the money that they're going to use out of the budget of the police. Like, do you think, I'm not saying totally defund the police. I'm just trying to get a, a just a, a, a an opinion. Like, do you think that defunding the police and taking some of that money and putting it somewhere else 
is is going to work. And then my second question is, do you think that when officers, you know, you know, like in this George Floyd situation, do you think that their pensions need to be taken, you know, in terms of, you know, when the families, you know, do a civil suit? Like, how, how do you feel about those two things? So as far as the funding of police, I don't, I, I'm okay with reallocation of funds, right? Um, I think that if you defund the police department, you lose what we were talking about earlier. Good training, mm-hmm. uh, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, good community events, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Because I, uh, as you know, I, I do a lot of community events, right? Right. right. That the police department is actually, you know, that's how the police department is funded. Right. Uh, events to take kids on college tours and things of that nature, just to give them a good, a good, uh, you know, uh, good. Uh, what am I trying to say, Cam? Um, a good rapport. Ex- a good experience with police. A good right? rapport, yeah, so, good rapport. Right, a good experience, a good rapport with police. So if you take that away and you only put police in a position to just be police and dealing with crimes, then now you all that community stuff we talked about, it's you gone. just do that right out the window. Right, right. You, you see what I'm saying? Right. And then as though I work now in the schools, I've seen some of these social workers. I've seen some of these these intervention uh, jokers who never show up to when the pressure was calling them for mediations when these neighborhoods defense. And the school resource officers are the main ones who have to deal with the mediation now, right? right so, right. right. So you defund one and you fund something else, but when you the people you're funding, they uh, funding they have no accountability. Mm-hmm. So I'm for reallo- uh, reallocating funds, not defunding. I'm making put the right people in the right place. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's, because if you got the right people in the right place, you got to think. I would just use MPD for an example. Um, DC, what is it? D.C., I was reading up, D.C. schools have like a $2.5 billion budget. Uh, the health services have like a $1.9 billion, And public safety only has $1.3. That's fire and police. So you're splitting fire and police to $500-something million, but you're saying you need to defund the police department, but at the same time you're saying you want more community police. It don't make sense to me. What makes sense to me is forcing those who you're giving these grants to that, that you're allocating this money to to do their job, hold them responsible. Mm. So when they have when it's time to do these social work stuff, it's time to do this intervention stuff. You you actually have people that want to do it. I had a young brother call me. This is about a week and a half ago. One of my students called me. He said, "Man, call me by my name." He talk all the time because I kind of like kept him out of trouble. Mm-hmm. He said, "Man, I see they trying to take y'all out of schools. That's not a really good move." I said. I mean, it is what it is, bro. You know, the only thing I can do is work in and wait to see what the powers be to do. Right. He was like, man, I don't understand. He said, well, they're trying to replace y'all. I said, they're trying to replace us with people who more like relate to y'all. And he said, well, listen, I'm going to just tell you straight up. I don't want, you can send somebody that's been in jail for 15, 20 years to come in here and tell me um, not to do this or I'm going to end up like him. Right. I don't want that. I want somebody to come sell me who I can end up like. Right. Not not to end up like him. Right. He said, and if they, he said, now to be honest with you, if they send some people in there who've made it, who who's doing great, who beat the odds, I would love to. I, mean, I would be okay. Not no disrespect to you, Austin, such and such. No disrespect to you, but I'd love to see some people from my neighborhood that made it come back and tell me how they made it. Right. But I don't want to hear somebody that's because they was a felon come in here and tell me that. 
oh, you only got two options. If you don't need the two options, I know that. I grow up in this. Right. Show me the joker. Show me the doctor. Show me the lawyer. Right. Show me somebody else. Show me the stockbroker that came from the hood. Right. And and let him tell me this is the steps I need to do to make it. Don't right. tell. I, I don't want to know what not to do not to go to jail. I want to know what to do to be successful. Right. And that's what he told me. Right. And he said, and he said, and that's one thing he told me because I tell him my my life story all the time. You know what I'm saying how you know my mom was on dope and all that stuff. So you know I don't I had nothing from them and they respect that. Right. And to see that I made it and told I tell the same story about you know how you know I had to lie to my parents, my grandparents, and all this stuff, and they respect it and you know it's cool and so they have better understanding. And not saying that somebody who's been there can't can't reach somebody. I'm right. saying but that should be your and all. That shouldn't be your all. Right. You gotta mix it up. Put somebody who's been in and put somebody who's never been in. Right. And, and those type of talks with these Johnnies. You can't keep putting the same thing into the, something and think you can get a different result. That's true. So I'm all with allocating funds. You know what I mean? The funded funds gotta make sense. And if, you, if it makes sense, I'm okay with it. You okay. know, but if it don't make sense, I'm not with it. Don't do it just because it's the topic of the day. Do it because it makes sense. Right. The, when we defund this police department, what are we going to do with this money? And how are we going to hold these people accountable for us getting this money? Right. And now what we're going to do with as far as the community of that, right? Right. So that's what that's where I that's why I met with that. That's a great point. Um, and what was your second question? My uh, bad. I uh, got about time. about about um you know should you know if 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 police officers like. This officer who killed uh, George Floyd, do you think that if the family files a civil suit, should that money come out of their pension? Ah, uh, that's a tough one. I say in George Floyd's case, let me let me ask you this question. If if George, if the if a person that killed somebody outside of say the George Floyd incident wasn't a police officer, right? Mm-hmm. Say he was a, a, a lawyer and he had a 401k, right? Mm-hmm. Is this 401k able to get taken from him? I'm not, I'm not, and I'm asking because I truly don't know the answer to that. So if this 401 is able to be taken from a, from a lawsuit, then I'm all for it. I just wanted to be equal all the way around. I just don't want it to be just because you're you the police officer, you, you what you earned, you don't have a right to anymore. I think that if, if if that's the same case with a 401k and a civilian, then it should be the same case as a police officer. Mm, that's a I good think? point. You know what I mean? That's a good right. point. And if it's, if you can't take somebody's 401k, then no, you shouldn't be able to take this. this um, pension that's a good at the point. same time his decision is he's going to jail he's locked up for life or whatever he's going to get hopefully he's locked up for life maybe the check but his wife and his family had nothing to do with that yeah i so, didn't even i didn't even look at it that way that's a good point i didn't even look at it so, that way yeah and i'm not I even sure yeah i'm not so, even I mean, i'm not even sure if you can take the person's 401k but i would that'd be a question i would have to ask a lawyer i, I got ask, a lawyer yeah, that i'm I not ask. sure too i'm not yeah. really that savvy in the, into the 401k finances because we have pensions, but right. if that's the case, then yeah, I see you can do it. Right. Absolutely, you can do it. Right. Um, but if not, then you got to look at it from both sides. Right. My, like, like my grandfather said, "What's good for the goose is good for the dog." Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, right. Right. Well, man, listen, man, I, I I, mean, I know you got some stuff to do. I just wanted to, you know, come on here and, and chop it up with you. Like I said, I mean, I'm hoping that this maybe, you know, just share some light. You know, to some people to, you know, let them know that that there are some good police officers out there. I know a few of them myself. You know, I, I've, I've watched y'all, 
you know, grow. I think we've all watched each other grow up, you know, through Facebook and social media because we don't get to see each other, you know, every single day. But, you know, we kind of see each other's movements. And I just feel like, you know, again, this is going to be an ongoing conversation. This is not something that's going, you know, end tomorrow. So I, I appreciate, you know, you just kind of giving me, you know, bits and pieces of your perspective, you know, to the best of your ability. And I'm hoping that, you know, at some point, you know, once I get this nonprofit, you know, fully up and running, man, I can have an advocate, you know, as yourself, you know, to just kind of help me, you know, figure out, you know, what, what, what way, what are the best ways to try to get at some of these young people and just show them something different. Because I think for me, Delaware State, changed my life like i was able right. to see life in a different light like it wasn't just southeast no more it was dover delaware right. it was north carolina i was going to umes i was going down the floor you know what i mean like I, I i i was able to see so many other things that i'm like i don't necessarily have to be this angry all the time i don't necessarily have to be so defensive all the time so i think if we can open up a door where these young people can see something different i think that that'll help change their mindset a little bit i, I think personally so definitely be in touch um because i i'm definitely working on some stuff so if, you know just to get some insight so i'll definitely be in touch man and again I, I appreciate you doing this for me man i know you got other things that you could be doing but you decided to do this for me so i appreciate it so man when you you know get out here you know on your next shift man just be safe man be safe all i can do <laughs> <laughs> for sure so man I, I i again i appreciate you man and i'll talk to you soon man all right bro be easy all right Peace. all right this is a journey it's it's a process and and i know 
that you think that you know everything now. And out of the abundance of what you think, you speak. But sometimes if you would just hold your peace and realize that how you see it today may not be how you see it five years from now, and you will have damaged everybody with wrong information because you thought it was an experience and it's a journey. I'm just captivated by these newest methods of mines And it's just fuel to the flame of this aggression of mines And just like fine wine, boy, we get better with time Cause I'm just moving, I'm moving, I'm moving, yeah I'm cruising, I'm cruising, I'm cruising, yeah I learned my lesson, what a price to pay And I just got up on my knees and talked to Christ today Cause I'm just moving, moving, Cause I be, cause I be I'm cruising, cruising, cause I be, cause I be I learned my lesson, what a price to pay and I um, woke up feeling blessed Told myself, gotta live and let go No regrets, forgiveness in my heart Never no stress Mellow breeze, AOT, we the best No Cali, on this road to riches For a minute, hate mileage Had some bustle on the way, guess who couldn't hold on Sad to say, times got real Look who didn't stay true Who you, this ain't no shade Just venting, no offense, forgot to mention You was my brother from another Nothing but love for you. Hope you shine. I've been told you nothing, or no one gon' ever stop mine. Oh no, this my prime time grind. Hey, move. I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving. Yeah, I'm cruising, I'm cruising, I'm cruising. Yeah, I learned my lesson, what a price to pay. And I just got up on my knees and talked to Christ today. Cause I'm just moving, moving, moving. Yeah, I'm cruising, cruising, cruising. Yeah, I learned my lesson, what a price to pay and I just got up on my knees and talked to Christ today.